from my apartment complex in Northridge, California. I'm Andrew. And I'm Ryan. And this is First Impressions of Woody Allen. All right, Ryan. So what did we watch last week? Tell me a bit about it. Zelig, um, a Woody Allen mockumentary, as I understand, his second? Is that right? Second mockumentary? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after Take the Money and Run, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of a story about a man who has the ability to turn into anybody that he's around. Yeah, assume their personalities or their yeah, physical appearances. Everything, yeah. He turns into, um, literally turns into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, my first impression of it was just that what a crazy mind to come up with this concept yeah seriously (laughs) because it's a man it's it's not it's a different form it's documentary instead of narrative Uh so you have that impression of people um you have those elements of the interviews and stock footage and all done very well all done very convincingly yeah phenomenally um in my opinion and it's and it's just insane to think that someone could put this all together a fake story about a man who can assume the physical appearances of um only men which i thought was kind of strange yeah, I thought that was interesting. rather odd yeah but um yeah you got you got this like it's it's just so convincing that yeah. it almost it doesn't even seem like <laughs> like fiction yeah but despite um despite the the idea behind it or like the the I guess the powers this man has um he's he's uh likened to be a lizard person essentially because the chameleon like chameleon that's right yeah because he can he can uh fittingly as I might add because he can shapeshift and yeah. he can just at a at the drop of a dime so it's it just struck me as it's like what's going on in this man's head what's going on in woody allen's head to the point where you can pull off something so odd so well um so convincingly what's he trying to say what's he trying to say yeah you this have can't mean nothing right like and it's i guess he's familiar with it uh he did the um he did like we said before take the money and run mm-hmm. which is it was his first proper film and I still haven't watched that. I was supposed mm-hmm. to for homework. Oh, oops. Oops. Um, <laughs> our professor will listen to this. Um, scold me. But uh, it's it's his, I guess, it, he he wasn't um, completely foreign to the, the subject or mm-hmm. at least the style in doing it. But um, I don't know what he's trying to say. I, I think he's trying to say that, uh, well, you have your core ingredients. You have, um, you have jazz. And yeah. uh, we might add that this takes place in the twenties, the late twenties, roaring twenties, the jazz age, and um, that's very much part of the film. You have um, all those elements of whether it be um, dancing with flappers or um, songs uh, played on phonographs, that kind of thing. Yeah, and they even sounds like they wrote original music for this. Right, they wrote original pieces, unless they just have. Uh, you know, Some public, yeah, <laughs> like public domain songs about chameleons, <laughs> um, about people turning into chameleons. But yeah, that's another element. Like they they wrote their own music for this, so you, um, 
you're there's like that that whole um i keep saying element i've said element like 10 times already what's the synonym for element um aspect aspect there you go that's a great one so another element to this um to this story is that uh they wrote their own music to it and so if you're coming into this in the dark Mm -hmm. uh that's just another way of knowing that that like this could be an actual documentary about about some about some chameleon man that there's there's real songs about him yeah like i said it's really convincing i mean even the footage that they doctored from the 20s and made look like it was shot in the 20s was very convincing you know sometimes you can tell if it you know that it was made today and made to look like the 20s but i thought it looked right yeah i think i think they shot that um with that intention uh Uh, as we might as Gordon Willis returns yet again with with Woody Allen, the yep. director of photography, and um, I can imagine that he had to do quite a bit of research too. Sure, because up until that point, I'm, um, I mean, not not strictly, but he was shooting mostly in color. I imagine mm-hmm. so, shooting in uh, black and whites like a whole nother beast, oh, and yeah. then um, and like we said scratching up the footage to yeah, make it look like very old under crank style they had that going mm-hmm. on really. yeah under cranking to to speed up the 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 motion mm-hmm. of the dancers um the flappers and it was just um it was yeah it was it it made you as you were watching it i you i i found myself trying to um guess whether it was stock or or yeah. like really shot for that for I'm, that particular shot every I'm time i'm thinking it was a mixture of both i'm reading here that says alan used newsreel footage and inserted himself and other actors into the footage using blue screen oh, you're reading why, why are you doing homework no, i'm kidding <laughs> I, but kind of all uh forrest gump which came after it right yeah and um maybe this was like one of those uh our professor kept relating yeah. uh forrest gump and robert zemeckis to this mm-hmm. film and um, I wonder if that was this was kind of like the the Forrest Gump before that, where he really captured an era um, to the nines, where that's true. Um, you know, everything from how it was shot to the music that was playing through it had to had to resemble and perfectly capture that um, in the Roaring Twenties jazz age. So yeah, um, I yeah the blue screen that's that's kind of. Um, that makes more sense. Um, but I, as I was watching, I would just, I would be looking for it. I'd be looking for him. I'd be looking for Alan. And then I'd be looking for all the yeah. other characters. Cause there would be shots where they're just, um, like parading down the city street. And I was thinking to myself, okay, that could be, that could be real. real they just footage. found that somewhere. Sure. And then all of a sudden you see, uh, Woody Allen's character pop up and like, God damn, that's, <laughs> that's really real, yeah. huh? Like they actually shot that. So, um, yeah, the blue screen makes sense. That was probably yeah a big uh, inspiration for for Forrest Gump too. Yeah, but well, and I think Forrest Gump won the Academy Award for the special effects of it. But did it, it really? Kind of, it kind of makes you think to realize that Woody Allen did it first, almost ten years earlier, more than ten years. Yeah, and who knows? I don't even know. This movie came out in I think it was nineteen eighty three. Eighty three. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if there was special effects category yet in the academy awards i mean star wars have been around for a while yeah and oh well no no i think there was because uh because 2001 right what's that 2001 with uh stanley kubrick yeah yeah. i think he won the first what 68 yeah i think he won the first oscar for oh wow for special effects or they like made one just for him wow it was like a makes sense it was like a um elephant man situation Mm -hmm. um but 
yeah, you have your key your key elements in in most of his films, one of them jazz and the other one was was psychiatry or just, yeah. you know, um Freud in general. And so That was a big subject. Yeah, that was a very big subject. It it, it kind of made sense because as we're learning the semester that um that Alan is this um student of this self-indoctrinated student of psychology yeah um and talks a lot about going to their analyst which is it's something in all of his movies right right so annie hall there's that scene where they're both at the analyst at the same time mm -hmm. it's kind of split screen yeah we should do an episode on annie hall that's it we should it's a a good one (laughs) so listen to the first episode everybody oh yeah if you haven't already if you missed it um quick plug right here just sidetrack the whole episode um but now he's literally inserting it into the into the main Mm storyline um he's a subject of um of mia farrah's character Mm -hmm. in the film um i forget the name she's an interesting name um don't look it up don't look it up i have it right here okay what is it um fletcher Fletcher. Eudora. What was it? Eudora Fletcher. Eudora, yeah, yeah. That's a I very 20s too. name. Um, but yeah, she is, uh, or he is, uh, uh, he is her student, essentially. Um, she's doing a study on him and a series of tests hypnotizing him. Mm-hmm. And so um, she's essentially trying to reverse this uh, genetic disease, I guess it is. Yeah, or what she believes is completely psychological right she feels that it's it's not genetic um nobody knows what's wrong with him they think it's like a brain tumor or mm-hmm. he, he ate bad mexican food or something like that <laughs> um but she believes mia pharaoh's character believes that it's psychological which um uh god I, we're just like yeah I, I guess you should watch the movie before you listen to this probably because yeah. i'm just gonna keep talking about summer. it yeah giving a plot summary and everything but um Go watch the movie mm-hmm. because it is a good one. I actually, it, it caught my attention a lot faster than any of his other films so far. Mm-hmm. Like it pulled me in almost right off, right at the top. That's like, interesting. What is this about? Yeah, because I I didn't have that Same. that action that reaction per se. Yeah, because I actually found myself having to get warmed up to it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I think it was, I think it was something about. Um, because at this point you just expect him to show up yeah. within the first frame or he's in sure. every single scene. And so as much as I feel like that's, you know, that could be overwhelming or or people could kind of, you know, just stereotype that, oh, he's like in all his movies mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, now it's just something I come to expect. So yeah. when I didn't see him up top for at least, he didn't, I don't think he had, he even was speaking i don't think he was no. like he had a line of dialogue until maybe were kind 20 of minutes pictures right and it didn't even look like him normally it was when he was looking like other yeah. people yeah it was either in blackface mm-hmm. or dressed as indian or yeah. um or just 200 pounds um <laughs> overweight yeah. than he actually was and so i think i i was like a little i was like okay when's he when's he showing yeah, up when's yeah, he showing up yeah kind of waiting for him mm-hmm. but then um but then when the because it was i feel like the pace of the film was a lot quicker up top you were just getting it that's what i was at all sides like hearing um every side of the story from different um people recounting this uh this fictional character's life 
and or whether it was just you were seeing all the stock footage and it was jumping around a lot mm-hmm. and so i think it was when we start, f- started to finally get into um his condition and whether people were the uh, people were starting to to uh experiment on him yeah. and he was admitted to this hospital where they're doing all these tests on him that's when i think i started actually warming up to it yeah yeah but um yeah that's so he's he's constantly um being being looked at uh which i i find i found kind of um I, I understand why he would he would constantly be missing throughout the movie. Yeah, like I think it would just become some persona and then mm-hmm. live that life, right? And or he would just just be gone. Like I think there were <laughs> at, in every single act of the movie there was a part where it's like he went missing. Oh, he's gone missing. Lou <laughs> Lou Zelig has gone missing again. Um, oh. and <laughs> and it started to make sense because this guy um he like wants to fit in because yeah. he's assuming all these different personalities um he just wants to please people but at the same time at the sign of danger he would just kind of flee and be found in some like faraway country i'm wondering if maybe what got me into it just so quickly was the lack of woody allen okay not that i don't like woody allen i mean i do but i have my problems with him Mm -hmm. and i just thought the story and the setup was so unique and i was just because I had no idea what this movie was about going right in. neither did I I didn't even know it was yeah. a mockumentary um and they just did it so convincingly and I just wanted to know more and then there was no Woody Allen to kind of keep talking over it <laughs> um and I that just I think really brought me in okay yeah so you were looking at it um I mean in comparison to his other movies I think he talks the least of any of his other movies oh this. yeah no I without mean, a doubt Leonard Zeller is kind of a silent character actually right he's more of a physical charlie chaplin Mm -hmm. like the humor is in the the body language yeah and i was just wondering what you were thinking about like like what is he trying to say do you think do you think he's making this social commentary on like a psychological issue at the same time Yeah, i was kind of thinking about it over over the past couple days because i mean you think about a man who becomes other people and then as this doctor starts to work with him and they start to fall in love is when he starts to become his own person. Mm-hmm. And then as they start to fall apart, he falls back into... Right. He, he's How like, do they describe it again? He, well, he's found like looking... Or he's found... He, they, they went out to dinner or something and he was looking like Greek all of a sudden. That's right. And uh, he was kind of going back into his old shape-shifting ways. Yeah. And yeah, like, like having a few days to think about it too, I... Um, I feel like he is kind of because in comedy there's there's a lot of a lot of people deal with them there are a lot of people that deal with impressions yeah like that's a big part of um like i'm thinking of like frank caliendo sure or different acts that um that sort of rely on just being other people and in a way i feel like that's kind of like a lonely way to make a living that Mm -hmm. you're just always assuming other people's identities yeah, or you not being yourself right you're afraid to be yourself kind of thing god damn that leaf blower is loud <laughs> um, they know we're trying to do a podcast <laughs> i think they don't yeah i think they don't um maybe we should wait a little bit before they come yeah that's just too god awful i'm gonna hold I'm gonna, on tight everybody gonna, yeah we'll be back all right, we love our good people, the leaf blowers. We're back. <laughs> Appreciate their uh, their fine work. Um, so, I think I was talking about. Oh yeah, the the how people are constantly like 
impersonating other people. Mm-hmm. Or I, I felt like he was, I don't know if that was his um, main objective of this movie, but uh, it definitely could be um, subtextual to the point where he was trying to say how like someone who's always pleasing other people is not, is, is doesn't leave time to like for you to please yourself. Yeah. Because I feel like that's like something I kind of um, have not struggle with, but like I find myself doing where sure. like it, whether it's a relationship or it's, it's like just like having time for me, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but um, I don't know if like that, that was something he was trying to say. What do you think? Maybe. I mean, I think that's a definitely a good interpretation um there's our friend the leaf blower back yeah i'm just going to the parking um, parking lot now. <laughs> it's um, never going away <laughs> but um i think that if you were able to you know see that in there i i think then that is a meaning of it i mean i definitely agree i see moments of that because um you know it's it's with the help of this doctor that he is able to um kind of overcome being other people right um and then that is when he is happiest is when he's just being himself right when he was there with her and uh, eventually falling in love with her mm-hmm. um so yeah i think i think um and then just going back to the backstory of his character and how mm-hmm. um like his family was beaten <laughs> and how uh his brother beat his sister and that, his sister beat him and that whole that, that might whole have been bit. the funniest part of the whole movie that made me laugh yeah that was that was a great um that was a great <laughs> that was a big laugh for me too um just that whole um a to a to d in yeah. terms of jokes um but was he saying that he was just beaten the most of anybody because i think so i think i think <laughs> if it tri- eventually trickles down yeah I mean, that's what i was thinking is like by the time it gets to his neighbors who beats his whole family he's gone through like seven layers of beating seven yeah <laughs> it's like a it's like a appetizer just for beating you know, oh, at man, that point that was, um that was pretty it's, funny. it's deep but um yeah it's i i think that that's like another way like he's he's able to kind of like poke fun at these serious issues yeah that's that, what i was gonna say that's that's funny and all but also if you think about it kind of sad and, well it's sad and then i think it's true yeah. at least to some extent you're not mm-hmm. gonna have this like um you know just um back and forth of that but like you at least see domestic violence of sure in in like a in a in a in a home or mm-hmm. like within a family so it's um it's it's just like another thing i think that he's into in terms of psychologically and trying to like uncover what's really at this at this core of um how he never had this character lou zelig never had a um you know a a family really to begin with it was just like a bunch of misfits and um he does it comically but you know i'm I'm sure you could relate that to to many people many families where they don't have that um that support and so you just you look outward and you try to mm-hmm. um you know try to try to assume personalities or try to be like someone that you're not so yeah um i don't know like there's there's part of me that doesn't just want to brush off you know a a kind of b story or subtext to this because yeah. i think he he did that intentionally absolutely i think there's uh importance in him making a joke out of it but importance in him saying it to begin with right um 
I think that is kind of the point of his comedy as a whole is that it's a joke, but that's just the form in which he's trying to make a statement. That's mm-hmm. the point of his satire is that he's trying to say something. He's just uh, wrapping it in a comedic way. Yeah, which I think is like a, even another level of maybe um, uh, a defense mechanism. You know, sure. and I, I think he's mentioned that in some movie where he's like, he's like, I'm funny as a defense mechanism or something sure. like that. Sure. And, and I think that can even go even further to like this whole entire um, parody or, or mockumentary is basically, you know, trying to say uh-huh. something in like this defensive um, tongue in cheek way, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's there's jazz, there's psycho- psychiatry, and then there's being a Jew, which <laughs> that is, it doesn't come up that much in this movie, no, honestly. But, um, but there is that level of... But you got to have it. You got to have it, you know. it's That's another thing. It's like you you look for Woody Allen and mm-hmm. you, you listen for when he references being a Jew. Oh, yeah. And um, I, think, I think we caught that a little bit in... Uh, in uh, one of the interviews he was talking about uh, one of the I, I think I don't know if this is a real person or made up a, a fictional character but it was Irving Howe uh-huh. and he had glasses on and he was talking about how um, at that point in history which is pretty true um, in terms of American history that um, all these um, all these people fleeing all uh, different countries um, or were at least immigrating to mm-hmm. Um, the United States from different backgrounds that a lot of them were yeah. Jewish. And so their first instinct is to, um, to kind of make some, like make sense of like what they're doing there and like what their role yeah. is. And then to kind of like assimilate into the American way. So did this take place in New York? Did the, the movie? Yeah, I think so. Can't, can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Like he, I mean, it's, it's very metropolitan. Uh, yeah, it metropolitan. Is. Metropolitan. <laughs> I'm, I'm making up words. I can I like make up, I can make up stuff. Um, it's very <laughs> metropolitan. Um, in that sense, I think it. I think it is New York. There's not a lot of references to no. it, but I can't imagine it being anywhere else. Yeah, at least in America. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's there's that whole uh, historical background to this too, where he he was like. You know, and then we saw the Nazis show up at some point. He, yeah. he, um, he joins the Third Reich. Uh, Lee's like, uh, there's a movie being made about his life within yeah. the movie. That's right. Um, so the, dramatic, like a Hollywood movie. I yeah. thought they did a great job with that Me too, too, because they made it look like. Uh, not only did they make it look like the 20s, and um, that just before film had really taken off, the sort of. Uh, like when it's baby as infant stages with uh, Chaplin and mm-hmm. Buster Keaton, but you got to see the old Hollywood, yeah. of like the late thirties, early forties, exactly. I imagine of, um, uh, movies kind of, uh, made during the second world war yeah. where they're sort of propaganda to, to, um, to push the American way forward. Yeah. So, they, the, the filmmakers I'm sure had a lot of fun with this, just having to emulate so many different styles and eras. Yeah. Yeah. They had to jump around, and um eventually they landed it 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 reminded me of grand budapest in a way Mm -hmm. just because uh the wes anderson film because because like you were going from one time period which was what when the story was really unfolding sure um which is the early 80s late 70s when this film is being shot uh when zelig's being shot and then you have this when the main action is really taking place which is uh like in the late 20s and then 
you got some glimpses of this like middle ground of <laughs> this fake movie being made on account of his mm-hmm. life. Uh, Lou Zelig's the character's life um, has his own movie that would come um, in the decades to come would be released and um, it was pretty it's it's pretty it's pretty admirable the way that they were just able to jump around like you said yeah so seamlessly Mm -hmm. like they they must have had some fun oh Um, yeah like it was so convincing it was so convincing like you you imagined that you would um i don't know go go to your library and want to check out yeah um i can't remember the name of the fake you almost want to just say hey check out this documentary to someone who has no idea and pop right. it in and see what happens yeah and try to pl- play it off like you i'm sure you could you could give this to somebody who wasn't um in on it yeah. and they would be convinced that this was a real yeah. person that this really happened um you know uh one of the i made a comment about in class one of the interviewees um it was a real person um a real psychologist and oh, yeah. so they're like they're like bringing that element into yeah. the, that aspect into even those it. interviews like i'm not sure how many of them were actors versus real people but either way they were done in such a way that it was just very genuine yeah and i i was curious about that that was one of my big questions coming away from watching it was was like how how cool is that that you are actually acting like he he hired yeah. actors to um give accounts of fictional people yeah. in a realistic way yeah and so you don't know as an audience member um even if you are aware like i said of some people you're seeing people that you've that you actually recognize. know exist yeah that you recognize you don't know is this a person that's just acting yeah. and, and just reciting these lines and, yeah. and very convincing or is this an actual person that has some kind of um, similar background to the the character that they're researching, or, or at least research characters in a in a uh, in a similar manner, I guess. Um, these people giving the accounts, dealing with that kind of work. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty incredible too. Yeah, me, um, me too. And and uh, that's that's pretty much the core three. You got jazz, yep, juice, and Freudian, <laughs> and Freud, yeah. Uh, so what do you what do you what are you feeling about Zelig? Are you feeling on a scale of one to Annie Hall? On a scale to one to two thumbs up. Oh. <laughs> one to two thumbs up. I mean we don't always have to do thumbs. <laughs> but I feel like there should be some kind of Well, should we compare it to Annie Hall? Like if Annie Hall's a ten, is it a ten? I don't. I don't think we should compare, just because they it's are like totally different. Well, they're to, well, they're totally different, and then they're they're. I, I don't like comparing things in general. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like, Fair yeah, they're made by the same guy, but sure. like they're two, um, they're two different children, I guess. Sure. <laughs> so you can compare children. You, yeah, I mean, you can. Sometimes compare. you have shitty children. Sometimes you have shitty. Sometimes you have ones that are uh, less shitty, <laughs> and hopefully, I'm one of those. Um, but I would give, I would give Zelig another because it, it was one. Okay, so. To be honest, after watching it, I was like, would I watch this movie again? That's yeah. usually how I rate films. Is, yeah, that, is like, is this a great film? Would I want to watch it again? And I honestly would after like taking, like gestating it for a few days. Would or would not? I would want to watch it would. again. Yeah. And I, I would want to watch it again because... A, I think it'd be fun to play a sure. play a prank on someone and be like, have, have you heard about Lou Zelig? You know, yeah. and just kind of um, get someone who's not in on the joke to like see if you can actually convince them because yeah. I feel like this movie is good enough to the point where you can do that. Definitely. And then um, two, I think it's just pretty 
it's just pretty exceptional like what he was able to pull off i agree um so at least just to like watch it again to sort of like look at those photographs like we were doing before how realistic they are or just to sure you know try to catch some thing that may have been off just to like discredit it a little bit but like i doubt that there is much um this is i definitely watch it again um though i'd probably only recommend it to other film buffs or yeah. woody allen fans yeah as a standalone i don't know you know people who are just kind of casually into movies i don't know if they would love it as much that's yeah that's what i'm thinking too because because you Cause have to be the story's interesting and it's great and it's captivating but i think what at least for me and this might come from my film production background is the execution is what really blew me away right and, um all of that and so i don't know if everybody appreciates that as much i think so too it's not it's not something because it was funny my, it's funny but yeah when i um i was like um, I don't think this is throwing him under the bus in any way because it's mm-hmm. true. Um, I was recommending movies to watch with my my parents and and my stepdad. Um, he when I recommended uh, Manny, Manhattan, Manny, uh-huh. Manny Hall. When I recommended <laughs> Manhattan, um, he commented, "Oh, it's too intellectual." And it, really, and it is. I mean, sure. it's it's like a Woody Allen film, so it's oh, like yeah. a certain type of humor. But if he thought Manhattan was too intellectual, I can only imagine what he would think Sally would be. Yeah, even people in our class were saying that they felt it was a little dull. Is which, that right? Which I was surprised to hear. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they were saying they weren't like, too thrilled. Because I thought it was faster moving than his other movies. Yeah, I think but so, too. But I think it is that side of it that is so technical, technically amazing. Right. And, um, yeah, and it's pretty intellectual and kind of, you know, different than any other movie that you might have seen. True. So I feel like that's where... A lot of people might fall off, but a lot of people might really love it. Yeah, I agree. I think our scale could be watch again or not watch again. Yeah. How about that? Well, for me personally, definitely watch again. Me Want to show other film buffs more we than got, anything. Right. So we got two watch agains for mm-hmm. Zelik. So go watch it and then watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Perfect timing. The Leaf Blower Man just stopped. The Leaf Yeah, right? Like we could have started now. That would have been great. Well, well let's start the podcast over. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so, so today we're talking about no. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And you. if you want to learn more about the show or see some of my writing, some reviews uh, on, on uh, Alan's film as well, uh, that'll be on our Facebook page. It's called First Impressions of Woody Allen. And we're also on SoundCloud of the same name. Um, we're working on getting uh, on iTunes too. Nice. So, um, yeah. And make sure to uh, leave a review and what you think. Let us know what you're thinking about. Uh, future future movies uh, we should review if they're sure. Woody Allen related enough. Definitely. We'll do them. We'll consider them. Get so, some Ingmar Bergman in there. Yeah. Ingmar Bergman. Oh, yeah. Um, the Swede. Um, um, I'm going to edit that part out. I don't like that. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) No, I'm going to leave it in. Uh, but, But thanks for listening, and we'll be back again with more Woody Allen. Thank you. Sorry for my voice.